everyone, it's Liz, and here's what's in the Popping Collars feed for the month of December 2020. We're discussing the best pop culture of the year on Popping Collars. Martin Elfert is back this month on Take Two to discuss the legacy of Breaking Bad. Betsy and Greg are hosting a giant end-of-the-year Oscars party for Going On 30. We'll reveal your votes for the best movies of the year, 1989. Finally, The Sacred Six, featuring special guest Shayna Watson, wraps up this month with the Star Trek episode, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Thanks for listening, and keep those collars popped! Holly Mikhail Larson, pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Oakland, and you are listening to Popping Colors. Welcome to the number one Christmas podcast on Pandora, Popping Collars. I'm your host. My name is Greg Knight. I am the Director of Children and Youth Ministries at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea in Palm Beach, Florida. With me are my co-hosts, Betsy Carmody. What's up, Betsy? Not much. I'm just glad that that statement about our podcast is finally seasonally appropriate. I'm actually, though, excited for when we say it, and it's like March. It's the only time we're going to be number one in anything. I just want to revel in this moment. I'm doing great, Greg. I'm over here, Alexandria, Virginia, where I serve as head chaplain at the Episcopal High School. And we have our students are virtual. They've all gone home, which is so weird. It is it is quiet yet again. Oh, it's weird. The still of the night. Still. Uh, Liz Easton, how is the still of the night in Nebraska these days? It's chilly. Yeah, it feels like we turned a corner to winter. I have lit a peppermint candle inside of my apartment. A little nod to the season. And um, so that's nice. And yeah, I'm the canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska. That's all I have to say about that. Nice. (laughs) Ricardo Avila, where are you? What are you up to? Greg, Greg. (laughs) I'm the rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California, the home of Netflix things are going well. Uh, it is starting to get chilly California style, which means sometimes it gets into the high 40s. Oh, wow. Uh, blistering. Wow. <laughs> Tough. Uh, but no, all is well. It's good to be here. Awesome. Well, my friends, it has been a year. 2020 was hard, I think, for a host of reasons. And, you know, just downright tragic for way too many people around the world. And it almost feels foolish to do an episode celebrating the best that this year had to offer. And yet, as people who work in the business that we do, we know that kernels of hope and goodness and beauty always exist. And that's what we're here to do today. Point to the things that, for whatever reason, brought us joy over the last calendar year. Let's go to the bag. To the bag. I've decided um, in 2021, my New Year's resolution is to get some kind of, um, I don't know, like app or something that can replace the bag. I feel like the bag is a little too analog. You should get one of those turny like wire cages like for bingo. Like bingo, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually. 
actually thought, Greg, you might double down and get like a velvet bag. Mm. Like really just go. <laughs> oh, a velvet bag. Like that a is crown also royal well bag. Yeah. yeah, you know. Maybe. Nice. Betsy, you are up first. I get to go first. I get to go first. All right. So I have done a lot of TV watching during this year. And I think for me, you know, that really became it became like good series or series that I hadn't completed. And listeners to this podcast know that I've found some things that I've always, you know, have should have been watching, but hadn't been. I've chosen a series. And I think what I like about when we have giant cultural moments, when great cultural shifts happen, great creativity comes from those things. The series that I ended up picking was actually written in response to the Me Too movement, but then it comes out at a time of great racial strife across the globe after the wake of George Floyd's murder. And so I'm choosing the HBO series, I May Destroy You, mm. which, is, um, which is beautifully done. It is, it is uh, written and stars Michaela Cole, who is a fabulous writer and just an amazing quirky funny dramatic actress i think it's it's hard for me to even categorize you know is this show a drama is it a comedy is it a cultural commentary it's it ends up being everything parts of the story are very much her life being born in london but parents from ghana uh, going to catholic school as a girl and there's flashbacks and current times and her friends and her her group of people but it's this um you know, she writes from this place of her own sexual assault and writes a beautiful series, beautiful 12 episodes that are challenging, that take you into the destructive and positive natures of social media, that show you her journey, show you other people's journeys with being violated and kind of what, how do you come back from that? How do you find your identity in that? And it's just, I can't, it's so complicated that I cannot lend I cannot adequately describe it, so I will probably just would keep babbling about it. I found it to be one of the best things that I, I watched this year. It's hard to stop it when it starts off so small. Steve's like that. Remember He's, all aggressors. Oh, just... Bob, Bob, sorry. I took Bob aside. I said, can you stop? Barely finished speaking before he's looking all horrified, saying he'll never talk to me again because it's safer. Looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, Bob. Probably does think you're crazy. He thinks this is all a little uncalled for and this personal space thing is all going a bit too far. And he's very confident in his view because he's gone exploring to see for himself what boundaries and violations these women might be banging on about because Bob's thorough. And on his explorations, Bob found the line that separated him from everything else. Rather than crossing it, he tiptoed on it. And he experienced this feeling of being on the boundary, on the border, right on the line of being neither in one place or another. And saw how in this gray area, where nothing was quite clear, no one could be clear. We can't articulate fuddle our words. We couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was he did that we felt was so wrong. So yeah, Bob thinks you're crazy. 
Yeah, he thinks he's the smartest man in the room who knoweth all things because Bob has observed the detail. We have to start observing Bob. Telling him. We do see the detail. We see you, Bob. And if we see you, it means we are right there with you, tiptoeing in line right behind you. And in that place, where rules, clarity, law, and separation cease to exist, we will show you exactly what we mean by violation. I've never heard of that. I can't believe I missed it. It sounds amazing. I know. Well, and it was definitely something that I knew about, but I knew the subject matter was tough. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I backburnered it maybe a little bit, but then once I started watching it, I was like, ooh, when's the new episode coming out? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But just, and also just the way it shot, the direction, the color saturation, all those things that were really good. For a while there from the title, I thought it was like a, I thought it was like a, a, a serial killer thing. Right. Right. Well, in that element too, and I'm sure there's, you know, I could have read more up on the title, but it is, what is that? I may destroy you. Is it, is it the experience I may destroy you? Is it the persona we create may destroy us? Like what? Is it, is it her response to her sexual assault? Right. Is Mm -hmm. it like, I'm coming for you. Right. It kind of, it had, it works on a lot of different levels. It's interesting that when it aired in England and when it aired here, it was, they have different titles for the, for the episodes, which is interesting too. I was just looking through and comparing. Yeah. Uh, I'm 100% with you. I thought that I May Destroy You was probably the best television show I watched all year. The way that it goes into technology, the way that it deals with like text messages or phone calls or things like that. There's a lot of movies and TV shows that have tried to do that well. This does it the best I've ever seen. And it does it in a way that it feels real. It feels like a real situation that people would live their lives in. Mm -hmm. And so that makes me think like, oh, that helps me understand what it is that we're talking about when we say that these things are important in a way that like somebody saying trans rights are important. You better, you know, get that straight in your head. It's like, okay, okay, I got it. You know, this, this show takes you into like, why is it important? Here's a story and it's going to help you understand. And I th- that's what I really like about the show. The unpredictability of it was refreshing, but it also felt a little bit like, Ooh, what is going to happen next? Like, I have no idea. Like this could go any direction. And I like it when it doesn't feel like it's leading down a path, but it does make it that, you know, as a, as a watcher of series, I'm used to the, Oh, well this happens. And then this happens. And then we give it a little space and then we'll get a resolution. And that is not the case with this show. Highly recommend to the two of you. That sounds great. Yeah, Yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's on HBO, 12 episodes. I may destroy you. It's probably done. All right. Thank you, Betsy. Good pick. What's in the bag? Come back to the bag. It is moi. C'est moi. (laughs) Um, so oh, does that, is that, is that like an Easter egg? Is it Emily in Paris? Did you pick Emily in Paris? <laughs> I did not. No, did you Although, did it. That's I gotta say, Emily in Paris could fit with my pick. Oh, I no. I did not pick Emily in Paris, no. Okay. Okay, so I'm gonna do something that the other co-hosts on the show do all the time, and I am reticent to do. 
I'm going to pick multiple things. I knew you were going to do that. You're going to pick six things because that's what they do. Oh, my God. That Uh, might be what I'm doing later. You don't know. Oh, my Lord. Did I pick six? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Whoa. I got nine. That is that is that is (laughs) violating the spirit of the law. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. There were a lot of things that I liked in 2020, and I can't actually boil it down to one thing. There were a lot of things that I liked in 2020, um, and all of them had something in common, which is that they were either stories about women starring women, or they were stories that were created by women and told by women. Um, and I'll read you the list. I'll read you my nine. All right. The, the movies that I loved this year were Portrait of a Lady on Fire, mm. The Assistant, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, First Cow, and The Painter and the Thief. The television that I loved this year was High Fidelity, Normal People, I May Destroy You, The Queen's Gambit. These were all just wonderful. And in a year that sort of seemed filled with, in the sort of, boy marketplace stuff that kind of finds its way into my orbit stuff like the boys and raised by wolves or the undoing or like all of these sort of like violent that stuff just sort of grated on my nerves after a little while and these stories of women and especially young women figuring out what is my identity what is my place in the world how do i overcome these struggles that are affecting me they were just the stories that I needed to hear in 2020. Yeah. I guess if I had to pull one, hmm, I would have probably talked about, I may destroy you. That would have probably been the one that I would have chosen. Boom. What I'll maybe go into a little bit more is high fidelity, probably. Okay, so here's how not to plan a career. One, split up with boyfriend. Two, ditch college. Three, go to work in a struggling record shop. Four, become owner of said record shop and stay there for the rest of life. And five, well, there is no five. Does she seem sadder than usual or is it the sweater? Sweater. What's wrong with me? Why am I doomed to be left? Why am I doomed to be rejected? Seriously. So I'm going to ask them. My Desert Island all-time top five most memorable heartbreaks. So you're really going to talk to all of them? Yeah. Rob. Hi, Rob. Whoa. Surprise. You could be a bit obsessive. Cash! And a little too in touch with your feelings. Let's work it out! You know she told me I was obsessive and too in touch with my feelings? Those are not the words I would use. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Keep listening. There might be more here than you thought. Uh, High Fidelity, I'm sure a lot of people know, is a movie from 1999 starring John Cusack. Pretty popular, I would say. Um, it was a book originally. Big, right? big vehicle, big star vehicle for Jack book, Black yeah. when it came Nick out. Hornby. Yeah. It was a Nick yeah, Hornby. Nick Hornby. Yeah, Nick Hornby, yeah. Yeah, Nick Hornby, based on the Nick Hornby book. So this show is is almost a beat for beat for that, except that the main character of Rob is now replaced by a young woman, Zoe Kravitz, who now we're experiencing 
these breakups and these relationships and, and all of this stuff through her eyes as she's living in New York City. Kind of like I May Destroy You, uh, what Betsy was saying, where it's like, I don't know where this story is going to go, even though I know this story so well. And the dialogue is almost repeated from the movie sometimes. Mm. And yet at the same time, it's such a different way of telling the story. And it feels so personal and so intimate that um, it just draws you in. And it's um, it was really lovely. High fidelity. Zoe Kravitz. I so, watched, it keeps being recommended, but I haven't watched it because I fell into that Queen's Gambit. Boom. <laughs> so good. Chess sets sold out. You can't find them. Oh, right. because of the Queen's Gambit. Uh, and uh, Parker Posey shows up doing very Parker Posey things, oh. uh, probably like midway through. And it's fabulous. Love it's her. Love yeah. her. So that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Nice. Right. Thanks. Um, it was just a it was just a really good year for pop culture created by women. So I just wanted to hold that up. All right. The it's bag has the bag has chosen L for Liz. Thanks. So I had trouble with this today. I had a trouble thinking. So here's some things I thought of my favorites of 2020. No, hold on. Liz had trouble. So she posted on the Instagram. That's and right. And went, went seeking suggestions. Wait, you asked for other people's yeah. ideas? Yeah. So I'll talk oh. about that in a second. But oh, here are the only sense. things that I thought of for myself. Favorites of 2020. I have worn this sweater for some portion of every day since March. For the, those of you watching from home, listening from home, it's like a shapeless oatmeal colored sweater. It's cute. Well, you know, it's <laughs> um, I've worn Meal. these black leggings every day. Another favorite thing of 2020, I have rediscovered the natural shape of my eyebrows. Oh, okay. you know. <laughs> I have a <laughs> I hoped mine would thicken up more. I'm I'm kind of bummed. Oh, mine did. So like these are just some of my favorite things of 2020. So I was lacking inspiration is what I'm saying about that. I was not feeling great about the year 2020. So I took to Instagram as I've done before in um the history of this podcast. It was pretty sweet because I I was expecting a lot of pop culture suggestions and I got some. And so some of the ones I got, some people recommended books that they had read and loved this year. Umbrella Academy, which I've never Ooh, seen. That's good. Like so that. that's totally on my list. Um, someone very smartly, and I wish I had thought about this, said Taylor Swift just dropping folklore like out of nowhere. She's like, hi, 2020. Here's a whole new album and a whole new genre. And it's beautiful. So that was lovely. But what I also got were a lot of interesting reflections on the year 2020. And this is what helped me sort of reframe my attitude, which I guess is all I'm talking about today, which is not really pop culture specific. <clears throat> but th there were people who said, um, you know, unexpectedly, I'm enjoying learning again, the things that my kids are learning in homeschool or in, you know, remote school, like math or um, someone sent me a long list saying like, I haven't flown on as many planes this year. I haven't driven my car as much. I've gone on walks with my family. And so this isn't about pop culture other than the sense that 2020 is, will be a pop culture moment, right? Years from now, people will be like, that's so 2020, hashtag 2020. <laughs> but it was a, it was just a helpful reminder for me. And it, and also for this season of Advent, you know, we wait in expectation for Jesus to come and come again, 
which takes a lot. It takes a lot to hold that space all the time. And particularly in this season for God to break through and be among us. So my favorite pop culture moment is this sweater and all that it represents. And um, is it pop culture? No, but I'm saying it is. And I am thinking, here's what I think. And I, Betsy, I know you've talked about this with Ruby's Halloween costume. I will burn this sweater. I swear to God, I will burn it in a fire when this thing is over. Huh. Well, and it's like we make fun of that as being like a youth group trope. Like have kids write things on things, right, burn or- them, right? But at the same time, though, it just there is it, it hits something innate. It's elemental. It. Yeah. It makes me think about, you know, ancient sacrifice at the temple and, you know, and those sorts of, you know, the, it wasn't just, you know, atonement offerings. It was thank offerings and different things like that that you're kind of offering up. But, yeah, I like fire as a release. Well, and to bring it back to pop culture in a way, this is what maybe will make the episode a little bit more cohesive is um, so the, let me tell you the story of this sweater that I'm wearing right now. It was one day of, uh, in its day. It was a beautiful sweater and it was a sweater that like I took good care of and only and only wore to work. And like I, I folded it neatly so it didn't get weird shoulder creases and didn't get misshapen. And I really cared about it and I loved it and it made me feel comforted as the pandemic really started and I transitioned to working from home, I I wore it every day because I loved it. And I knew a part of me knew I was destroying it Mm. in the process, but it brought me comfort. And now I have destroyed it and I love it even more. All of that is just to say that I've noticed that the pop culture that I've consumed this year has been similar to that. I've burned out some of the things that I already loved very much because they got me through in the past. So like Gilmore Girls. rewatched all seven seasons of Gilmore Girls this year. I watched it for the first time. All of it. So good. I rewatched all of Parks and Rec. Oh, I'm yeah. right now rewatching um, the West Wing. And there's a part of me that thinks like, God, what a waste of time. But then there's a, another part of me that feels like you need to follow your own lead and say, like, I need to I need the things that are that comfort me. That's the story of this sweater and the story of pop culture, hashtag 2020, hashtag blessed. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Liz. Thank you. The bag comes for you. Coming for you, sir. I want to see it. I have one letter left in my bag. I have to say, this is rigged. It is rigged. (laughs) I'm always last. One time I was second to last. And I don't mind because usually I'm not ready, but... They're all the same size, I promise. See, like they're all, like there's no, I'm not looking in the bag. I didn't actually see the bag today. All right. (laughs) Well, with my soul. (laughs) All right. So um, pop culture, best of 2020. So like Liz, I have been wearing the same t-shirt pretty much every day, except when I put it in the laundry. And I've actually referenced it here before. 
Uh, it's my Bruce Springsteen on Broadway t-shirt. Ricardo, I don't know if the listeners know this, but um, everyone, Ricardo and I saw Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. Half, yeah. half of this panel I, saw Bruce Springsteen. I don't think we've ever mentioned it before. No. A couple no. of times. Probably, I don't know. We're not, we don't like to brag about it. And so, I mean, I mean, obviously I wear it all the time because we've talked about it like three or four times. I don't know why. So I hear you. I'm with you. And it is comforting. And when I have to wash it or I have it dirty and I can't wear it for a couple of days, I get a little lost. You know, <laughs> it's like, what am I going to, I guess I'll have to wear one of my Dickens universe t-shirts or something. <laughs> you know? I always feel like the one who is not on the ball because I have not seen any of this stuff. I mean, thank God I read you know, the New York Times online or the Atlantic online, because at least I hear about the Queen's Gambit and I may destroy, I may, I may destroy you. Yeah. Um, so I know about them, but um, never quite get there. So I just feel like when we do like a best of kind of thing, I get frozen. I'm like, I don't know. Um, but I thought of four things and I think <laughs> I can tie them together in a theme. Each of these four bits of pop culture helped me understand something in its entirety. The first one I will mention is, um, you know, it's old. It's a documentary from like 2016 or something. And you all have probably seen it. 13th, the Ava DuVernay. One out of four human beings with their hands on bars, shackled in the world, are locked up here in the land of the free. Khalif Browder was walking home from a party when he was stopped by police. Then they said, we're going to take you to the precinct. And most likely, we're going to let you go home. And then I never went home. The 13th Amendment to the Constitution makes it unconstitutional for someone to be held as a slave. There are exceptions, including criminals. The loophole was immediately exploited. What you got after that was a rapid transition to a mythology of black criminality. Some people got the real problem. Animals, beasts that needed to be controlled. You better believe it. Money human. It became virtually impossible for a politician to run and appear soft on crime. The kinds of kids that are called super predators. Millions of dollars will be allocated for prison and jail facilities. Three strikes and you are out. It was an enormous burden on the black community, but it also violated a sense of core fairness. Some got the real the states were required to keep these prisons filled, even if nobody was committing a crime. Some it's so difficult to talk about mass incarceration because it has become heavily monetized. The focus is on taking people from prison, putting them in community corrections, parole and probation. How much progress is it really if now there's a private company making money off the GPS monitor? now have more African-Americans under criminal supervision than all the slaves back in the 1850s. We are the products of the history that our ancestors chose. Products of that set of choices that we have to understand in order to escape from it. There's, I think a lot of it was based on the new Jim Crow, the book that came out a while back, mm -hmm. um, because a, a lot of it was about incarceration, mass incarceration of blacks in this country. But when I watched 13, I made it an assignment for our, our parish because I wanted to have a, a race in America series discussion. 
I thought, well, let's watch 13th together. I was kind of blown away. I mean, to have it all in one place. Oh, by the way, there was the Civil War. And then soon thereafter, after the Reconstruction folks packed up and left, they basically became indentured servants on this, in the same plantations where they had been slaves. It was just all there in one piece. And it was shocking and um, depressing, but it was really almost cathartic in a way to have it all explained in a two-hour documentary. That was one of my picks. And then along with that is a book, uh, the book Cast by mm-hmm. Isabel Wilkerson. It's so intense. It's so intense. I actually haven't finished it. I have like a third, a fourth of the book left. There's so much in there. And it's story after story after story of these specific African-Americans, Black people in history and what was done to them by whole towns. You know, you know the, the Tulsa, Oklahoma business, um, that's happened in a couple of places in the 20th century. And, and individuals who are hurt for a lifetime by something that is done to them as children by white people. You know, she wants to turn it around and not talk about race as much as caste and how black people are put in this perpetual place, sort of like the untouchables in India to be able to um, have power over them. And everything that works around that to make it still be justifiable. I didn't, I guess I do have things to say. So caste, and then I'll change tack. Get a little lighthearted. I really loved the audiobook of Elton John's autobiography, Me. <laughs> He's like Forrest Gump or Zelig. He's been in everything, you know. He, he narrate the audiobook. Does he read it himself? No, the um, what's the guy? Taryn Edgerton. Oh, okay. Edgerton. That's a cool he, idea. Yeah, uh, Elton John does like the 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 prologue and an epilogue. And all of the people that he befriended, and I mean, everybody gets, I mean, John Lennon, Ringo Starr, the drugs he did, Princess Di, Ryan White, the the little kid who died of AIDS, but riveting and has had all this stuff happen in his life. I I just, I loved it. And then the fourth and final thing that I will recommend as a top pick, um, it's a little amorphous, but... Uh, the Atlantic Monthly, I subscribed last year to their digital and monthly version. And the digital thing is, to my mind, has been more satisfying than even the New York Times daily email. Because New York Times is very newsy. And that's good. You know, I need to know the facts. But the Atlantic has this angle where they'll give you the news, but they'll give you analysis or perspective. And some of their writers, like Ed Young. I think he writes about the COVID stuff and he, he predicted things before they happened and he was super sharp about stuff. And recently I read something, it's just like this last week about how your intuition about what's safe is not right. Mm. Don't trust your intuition, but it's helped me make decisions about what and what not to do when I'm on the edge uh, just in this last week, even about travel. So I think the Atlantic Monthly has been super valuable in terms of guiding me through this pandemic. So those are my four things, but there's a complete sense of the pandemic and the story of it from the Atlantic Monthly to me in this year. You have time for pop culture, Ricardo. It's just not the same pop culture. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a lot of things. That was a lot of things. It's all great. <laughs> it's all pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. 
Yeah. Well, I guess it's just not cutting edge pop culture. It's not the thing everyone's talking about. And so I feel a little behind like 13th was so 2016 and. Well, but everyone rewatched it in 2020. Yes. Right. I mean, just because it isn't all water cooler all the time doesn't mean it's not. Right. And I would say that that's actually the good thing about the times that we live in now is that the monoculture is pretty much done. So these things are, you come to them when you're ready to come to them. And there's so much more pop culture these days than there used to be. Okay, well, that's in my cube and I'll get to it. And it's fine. Like you'll get to like you'll get to I may destroy you probably at some point. Like it'll be okay. I'm talking about it in 2023. That's for sure. I think Betsy should get to have like do-overs when all of us have all these multiple choices to come back and, and like, say more. Betsy follows the rules. <laughs> I am a rule follower for <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Nice. Right. Well, thank you all for uh, going back over this year that I'm sure we would all give one star to <laughs> 2020. Can I give no stars? No, no stars. No very stars. Disappointing. One star, very disappointing. But I'm glad that uh, we did it together, you guys. So thank, thank you. you. Yes. Thank you for going through 2020 with us. Thank you, the listeners, for going through 2020 with us. Yes. And remember... You can find Popping Collars on the web at poppingcollarspodcast.com. And this is the part of the outro where Greg gives his obligatory delete your social media statement. So that's done. So now let's get to something good. Betsy and I are having a big 1990 Oscars party this month. Yay! Are you going to yes. dress up in 19? I'm getting I'm getting a haircut for it that morning. Are you really? Is it going to well, be like the, the Aniston? Um, no, it's it won't be a 1990s haircut. What I have only shorter, but I am probably going to dress up. At least I'm going to wear jewelry. I'm going to wear some. Well, how about that? Well, yeah, I was planning. Yourself. Like, who are you wearing? I was planning on wearing oh. like Hanes and Levi. <laughs> Champion. <laughs> but maybe I'll change change up. Switch. I mean, up I don't here. know. Hanes <laughs> collection. I mean, I'm probably still going to be wearing. Tarje leggings. And, uh, yeah, we, you know. We're revealing your votes, our good listeners, on who should have really won all the awards back then. Betsy, are you looking forward to our big night? I am just going to try to not warn Beatty this situation and mm-hmm. read the wrong name from <laughs> the envelope. Yeah. Just, I'm practicing, not La La Land. <laughs> we have hundreds of votes. Hundreds of votes. Well, you know, dozens, dozens. Of, <laughs> I mean, a do- we have a dozen votes that we need. It's to. Steam. It's going to yeah. be great. It's going to be great. Half a dozen votes. Okay. And of course, Stop it. you can get our podcast in whatever podcatcher you use. Be sure to hit subscribe or follow so that you don't miss an episode. Finally, you can find our show, the longest running Episcopal podcast on yeah. Episcopal <laughs> Cafe. Dot com. We love EpiscopalCafe.com. We know you will as well. Check them out for all your Episcopal news needs and beyond. And with that, that is Popping Collars for this time. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Ricardo. Thank we'll you. see you next time. And keep those collars popped. Pop, pop. Boom. 2020. Boom. In the fire. Throw it in the fire. That's right. <laughs>